Before we begin our, our sermon this morning, there's a, something we need to do. You see, the sermon's about having a courageous faith. It's about not watching the storm that is our life. And I think even before we can hear from God's word, we need to bow our heads and we need to confess that God, we have doubted in the midst of the storm of our life, that we have not been faithful to trusting Him. And so let's bow our heads and confess. Gracious Father, we're your children. And we're like children here on this earth. We know the promises that you have for us. We know that you always fulfill them. We know that you always provide. And yet, in the midst of the storm, we have this tendency, just like little kids, to run around with our heads screaming. It's over. It's falling. It's done. It's horrible. It's overwhelming. And in the midst of all of that, we forget that you, God, are sovereign. That you, God, know everything about us. That there is nothing about our day or night that you do not see. And so, Lord, we ask, we ask that you would forgive us when we have abandoned the faith that you have given to us. Lord, we cry out with the disciples, strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So what's the storm? What is it for you? Is it other people? Do they create the storms in your life? Be careful about who you elbow, because they may be elbowing back. He's talking about you, you know. You create all the storms in my life. Kids, I know you're thinking, well, it's the parents. I mean, they create all the storms in my life. If there weren't so many rules in our household, I would be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. Some of you are saying, man, if my boss would just back the heck up. You want to talk about a storm creator. There's the champion right there. My boss has it in for me and everybody else and just creates storm after storm after storm. Or is it illness? Is that what you're dealing with? I mean, this morning it, it is the fact that it takes a little bit longer to get up in the morning, get moving around, is that the storm? Or maybe you're a, you're a caregiver for kids, or maybe uh, for adults. Maybe, maybe you're, you're caught in, in, in a catch-22 of, of not only taking care of yourself, your family, but maybe the neighbors across the street or people at work you're covering because they're on vacation. Whatever, you find yourself in a bit of a storm because it's overwhelming. 
And even the littlest of nicks, right? You get a hangnail or a nail gets ripped off. Let's say you wake up with a little bit of back pain because you exerted yourself a little bit more than you should have yesterday. I mean, all of these things kind of conspire to create the perfect storm, right? Individual kinds of things, physical, health being, job, family kinds of things, stress of, of finances, and in and of themselves, right, you, you can handle one of them on Monday. And then Tuesday rolls around and something else comes in and you're like, I, I got Tuesday too. That's all right. Hump day comes around and you're thinking, man, it is just a couple of days to the weekend and yet the next pile comes in. And by Friday you're going, it's it, I'm done. It's over. I can't take it anymore. Storm. It's huge. We all have them. They're all around us. I mean, not only are we trying not to get caught up in the storm that seems to be around us, we're trying not to get caught up in other people's storms, right? And they're just little whirlwinds running all around us with their perfect storm, right? They're a little bit of crazy going on. And it's all you can do to try to steer your boat so it doesn't get caught up in their storm. Here comes the miraculous. Here comes God in the midst of the storm that seems so overwhelming, that seems so oppressive, that seems like there is no way out. Here comes the miraculous. Jesus, in the middle of the night, at the last hour, it says the fourth watch. That's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. The disciples have been in a boat crossing the sea that should have taken them only a couple of hours. They have been battling the ocean, the wind, and the waves. It can't get any busier. It can't get any more oppressive. They're soaking wet, tired, and cold. And in the third watch of the night, when all seemingly hell has broken loose, Jesus comes. In the last hour, Jesus comes. And I want you to know that part. I want you to know that in the midst, and, and despite everything that's going on around you in your personal life, in your professional life, in your family's life, and despite all of those things, Jesus comes. Don't lose sight of that. Because that's the miracle is that we believe in a God that does not abandon us when things get hard or tough. We believe in a God that doesn't just yell down from the throne room, or faster, swim harder, keep fighting. He says, come. Come. Context for our miraculous story this morning is directly after last week's sermon. Jesus feeds the 5,000, probably 10,000 others, a total of 15,000 people with 
five loaves and two fish. He thanks God for the bounty and the blessing of daily bread and the food. And Jesus gives that out through the 12 uh, apostles. They distribute that food. There are 12 baskets of food ready. We're not quite sure what they did because this is now the next scene, okay? We now have the next part of the story. Jesus says to the disciples, get in the boat and leave. I'll take care of the crowd. We don't know if they took their munchies with them. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they took bread with them on the journey. Maybe they left it for the poor and it went home. We don't know what they did with the extra. What we know is that Jesus, who had been tired, who recognized the disciples being tired, had said, let's go to a quiet place off by ourselves. The townspeople in the two biggest towns see them on the Sea of Galilee. They depart with them. They run over. They're not done. They don't get to rest. They still minister. They feed. They take care of. Jesus teaches. He has compassion. He dismisses the disciples, says, tell you what, I'll meet you on the other side. Go take a break. And he himself dismisses the crowd picture is, is he blesses them. He blesses them. If you ever wonder why, why we ask you oftentimes at the end of service during the benediction to gather in your family units, and if you're by yourself, to, to latch in with another family, I, I, I picture that Jesus did this exact same thing on those knolls of grass on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee, is that he said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. The people were dismissed. And there, Jesus takes a little bit of time, probably exhausted and tired himself. He leaves from that place and still has yet more to do, and that is to worship, to honor, to pray to his Father. And he goes up to a quiet place, and he worships, and he worships, and he prays. The disciples, meanwhile, get into the boat. They're obedient. They're crossing the sea. They say that the Sea of Galilee can, can muster a storm within a moment's notice. That especially at night, they are ferocious and wild. That fishermen are routinely, to this day, lost at sea in the Sea of Galilee. It is that, it is that ferocious. The disciples leave. They are obedient to Jesus. Jesus goes and prays. At the third watch of the night, when they have been battled, they should have been to the shore hours ago. Jesus walks out to them. In Greek, the word for ghost literally means uh, uh, it's, a, it's an aberration. They think they can see something that's wavy. It's like they can kind of see through it, but it seems to have substance. It's this quandary word that's not used to describe a whole lot of things in Scripture. It's kind of this one time where we get this word ghost. And what we know is that the disciples weren't exactly excited to see the ghost. There was fear. You're thinking in the midst of the storm, I want something solid and firm with a, with a great big foundation. And where do they find themselves but on moving water? Some of people's greatest fear is moving water. 
people that can't swim or, or don't know how to survive in, in that kind of environment. Moving, fearsome, ferocious waters that rise that you can't see the bottom of. Oh, I know some of you, I ain't swimming in a lake. You can't see the bottom, I'm not going in it. Pool lovers, right there. That's, the ocean, there's bigger animals than my house and I'm not going in there. And see, we're naturally, we're afraid. And when the storms get whipped up around us, when people say things that we wish they wouldn't have said, when, when people act in an unloving and an unkind way, when all of those things conspire, then when we see the image, I don't think we're much different from the disciples. <laughs> they see a ghost. And they're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid. They cry out. We don't know what they say. It's not written here. But we know that when they cried out in fear, Jesus immediately responds. You remember when your little kid cried out in the middle of the night having a bad dream? Maybe you couldn't even get to the room fast enough if you, as you heard them screaming with night terrors or something, but that you usually, at least this is how I remember, my mom called out in the night. I'm coming. I'm here. And here Jesus does the same thing. Take courage. Which means to remain steadfast. To remain firmly in your foundation. Don't be afraid. It's me. It's not an aberration. It's not something that you're unaware of. It's not something that you're unfamiliar with. It's me, Jesus says. In the greatest need, and at that moment, Jesus shows up and says, it's me. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. This is not because he doubts Jesus' words. He's asking for a sign. And we've talked about that during the miraculous. As we looked at stories from the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are plenty of people that have said, well, can I have a sign? You remember Gideon, right? Uh, can we have some dew on a fleece, not, then not on the ground? Yeah. Hey, that was great. Can I have another sign? Can we have it just on the ground and not on the fleece? And then, you know, can we do a little bit more, right? 30,000 men down to 300 men. I mean, we're always asking for signs. What's amazing is, is God answers with signs. And we still have the ability or the temerity, I should say, to go, Maybe one more. How about just the first sign that Jesus showed up? Why don't we let that be the sign that's good enough for you? And it may not be in a physical form, which I know you've prayed, Lord, if you could just come, this would be so much better. You know who he sends? He sends your neighbors and your family. He sends the body of Christ. He sends your life group members and, and your pastor or your elder. He sends people into your life to speak words similar to this. In the midst of your storm, take courage. Don't be afraid. Jesus is here. Because, see, I'm Jesus with skin on. Remember, that's what happens in holy baptism is I die. David dies. And Scripture says, I put on Christ, who now lives in me. 
And I wear a white robe of righteousness because this is where Jesus lives. I don't know why. I don't know why he would pick me. But he does. He comes to me and he comes to you. And he comes to you in a spouse, a godly spouse. He comes to you in a godly co-worker. He comes to you in a, in a godly neighbor. He comes to you for a godly teller that you've never even met. About half the girls down at First Bank. And I always got my ID on. I always forget to take it off. And that's always when I get home, I'm like, oh gosh, I had my ID on. It says Pastor Dyer on it. How's the church going? going great on certain days. There are other days I said, just pray. We got you. A couple of them. We got you. Okay? You don't know where that Jesus with skin on is going to come from. But they're there. Don't be afraid. Lord, Peter says, if it's you, can I have a sign? Tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. This is the linchpin moment for some of you. See, in the moment of the storm, you're going to hear this today. I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, come. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, follow me, Jesus says. Come, and I will make your burden light. Come, I will forgive sin. Come, I will strengthen your faith. Come, let me restore you. Come. Now, this is how I picture it happens, right? Peter, loudmouth Peter, brash Peter, bold Peter. I don't know if you know any of those kind of people in your life, okay? Probably standing in front of the boat. Everyone's kind of freaking out. They're tired, they're cold, they're wet, they're hungry. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. Come. Guys, did he say, did, I heard it, right? You guys heard him say, he said, come. I get to go, right? This is good. Because he's walking on water. All right. So he hands on the sides. Yeah. I'm, I'm, picture a little toe, right? It's solid. Ha. Jesus, I'm coming. Right? And, and he takes some steps and he leaves the boat behind and he says, ah, Jesus, I, Jesus, I'm coming. His eyes are fixed on Jesus, right? And, and nothing is going on around him except he's fixed on Jesus and he's walking toward Jesus. Hi, Jesus, you got me walking on water. I'm walking on water. This is, I'm walking. I'm walking. I am, I'm the one walking on water. I end water and in it, man, that is a lot of water. That is some big, <laughs> stormy Water. But they saw the wind and the waves and became afraid and began to sink. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Doesn't matter what the storms are going on around, good. Let your eyes falter, begin to think in your abilities. I'm walking on water. 
Begin to look at the life circumstances around. I will guarantee you this. Take your eyes off Jesus. Put them on you. Put them on your circumstances. Put them on the storms in your life. Focus on it. Share only the stories of all the crap that's going on in your life with the people around you. Only focus on that. I'll guarantee you, you will experience what Peter experienced. And that is sinking. Drowning. I don't know if you know this about those that are drowning. This is why our lifeguards should be commended at any time and any chance. Any rescuer, any safety, uh, white water rescue, anyone that goes in on somebody that is drowning, the chances of a rescuer being drowned themselves is the highest of any rescue situation because somebody that's drowning will almost always take somebody with them. Focused on Jesus, it's good. Focused on yourself, focused on the problems, focused on, I will guarantee you, sinking and drowning. Now, Jesus chastises. He does. Now, Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And in that exact instance, right, you're, you're driving down I-25, it becomes sketchy with ice, There's, your windows are fogged over, you see cars starting to move all around you, and you yell out, Lord, save me! I mean, that's what we hope you yell out. So other choice words, not as appropriate, but Lord, save me, that's good. Lord, save me! And he does, Right? Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand. Immediately. Which means he was within distance. Or if he was 100 yards away, he was immediately right there as soon as Peter began to sink. As soon as he goes into the water, as soon as everything becomes overwhelming, at that point in time, Peter goes, I'm not doing jack. Save me. And Jesus reaches down his hand, catches him. And I can picture before he even lifts him up out of the water. This is how I picture You have little faith. Why did you doubt me? He pulls him up out of the water. They walk back to the boat. Now let me tell you this. You may be far from God right now. You may be saying, I, I have not been living my life the way that I should be. You may be saying, I'm even in church regularly and I'm not living the way I should be. And, and I want you to hear this correctly. Jesus will never leave you because of your lack of faith. But he is going to chastise you. He is going to remind you, be strong, be faithful, don't doubt me. But he's never going to abandon you for having weak faith. He just doesn't want you to live there. He wants you to be strong and courageous. To walk not by sight, but by faith. He wants you to say, I don't care what the world's going on, what it's doing, what it's telling me, who I am, who I'm not, what, what physically is ailing me, what's going on in my family. He doesn't want you to worry or focus on those things. He says, look at me. The writer to the Hebrews says it this way, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Well, when I've got weak faith, where should I be going? Jesus. 
He's an author of it, which means he's the one that gives it. He's a perfecter of it, which means he's the one that can strengthen it. You don't strengthen your own faith. Jesus does. And quite frankly, his power is made perfect in your weakness. So again, not to have the pride of Peter, hey, look what God's doing in my life, but simply to say, hey, look at God. Because I'll guarantee you, the second you start trying to show everyone what God's doing in your life, you'll begin to have everyone looking at your life, not at God. And see, we're here on this earth to give God's name honor and glory. We're here on this earth to give God all the praise. We are here on this earth to worship Him, not me, not ourselves, not our families. He gets back into the boat. Jesus is with Peter in the back of the boat. And all of those in there that it says, the disciples worshiped Him, saying, surely this is the Son of God. Over and over, what the miraculous tells us is that God is active. Over and over, we read it. Over and over, we see it. Over and over, we experience it through the lives of other people. Miracle upon miracle. Day after day, we see Jesus provide. We see Jesus restore. We see Jesus keep safe. Now, what challenges us are the storms. When we have a car accident, or when cancer does come, or when we're sick, or when we are afraid, we go, God, where are you? Well, let me tell you, he's right there. And Maybe at that moment, it's a lack of faith. Maybe. Maybe you of little faith, maybe me at times in my weakness, when I am not faithful and strong to God and his promises to never leave me, never forsake me, I fear and I doubt. And he goes, David... You're mine. I didn't leave you. I love you. They worshiped. They worshiped. In the midst of the storm, they worshiped. Martin Luther, 15th century theologian, is famous for saying that he was so busy one day, and he, he, he normally had about a two-hour personal devotional life, not, not researching commentaries, not, not going to the uh, church, any the, this is personal time, two hours a day he spent in the Word and in prayer, and he's famous for saying that on really busy days, when he said, I've got even more to accomplish today, instead of spending two hours, fill in the blank, what do you think he said? I'll just spend one? See, normally that's what we do. We say, when, when it gets busy, when, when the storms are up, well, God, I, I've got, I've got, I need your energy. I need more strength because I've got a lot more to accomplish today. No, Luther said, I need to spend two more hours in devotion. You see, that's Jesus saying, come. Come humble yourself in the midst of the storm. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. For your burden is heavy mine is light. Come to me. And in that miracle, in that miracle when Jesus walks on water and Peter walks on water, we see that in the midst of fear and doubt that God still 
loves and restores. We confessed at the beginning of the sermon our unfaithfulness. Let me tell you this. Your unfaithfulness is forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said. Let's rise. We get the honor.